This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In this episode, Reggie comments on how dependence on the teacher can stunt fundamental transformation. True growth, he says, requires unconditional commitment. Through letting go of options, we are cornered by the imperatives of the journey. This talk was recorded in 2010 as an audio journal entry for the Sangha. I wanted to follow up today with the theme that I've been mentioning lately, which is how we make this journey real and the importance of our committing to it in a wholehearted way. I've been talking lately about our lineage and its uniqueness and its potential for us, which is the Buddha, and also about the Dharma, which is the view of this lineage of Trungpa Rinpoche and the practices that we have. And it's interesting that there are, there's a lot there for us, but at the same time, there's something more that's needed related to the Sangha, It isn't really enough simply to say that we have a Sangha and we appreciate the Sangha. What I'm starting to see as we've been taking some time and looking at things from a more of a distance is that in order for this lineage or any lineage to survive in a real way, the Sangha itself needs to make a journey. And by what I mean by that is that for this lineage to live, it's not enough simply to have a very powerful stream of uh, blessings, you know, which is the Buddha part, and it's not enough to have a sophisticated and appropriate and timely view and a set of practices that are transformative, which is the Dharma part. Often in our culture, we think that's all you really need, but I'm beginning to feel like that's not true. We need something additional, which is that there needs to be a community that is making the teachings real and is actualizing them, and whose individual members are actually making the journey themselves on their own paths and gaining the kind of maturity that comes when you do make the actual journey. So again, we come back to the issue of how do we get traction in our lives and how do the teachings really need to be with us in order to change as people and to not only understand and appreciate, but actually embody the ideals of of this tradition. One of the things that happens in our culture, and has certainly happened in our Sangha, is that there is an abundance of teachings and an abundance of very good practices. And also now, particularly from my generation, there are quite a few teachers around who have a lot to offer. And not only Western teachers, but Asian teachers as well. 
And I think one of the things that often happens with all of us is that we spend time with a teacher and we're very impressed in some way or other by the teachings or by the, you know, the tradition or by the teacher, him or herself. And in a sense, we kind of piggyback on the teacher and we get to experience um, a lot of things maybe that we ourselves haven't gained personally, but through the teacher we get to experience them. And that's actually a very important part of the journey. It's the level or the, the point of the journey that relates to being introduced, what we call pointing out. But I think what happens in our culture is people become addicted to that and they don't have their own direct relationship with reality as of yet. They're really using the teacher and the teachings in a kind of mediator role for them. In the beginning, that's very appropriate. But there's a problem there, and it's a problem that I've been talking about in terms of our sangha, and also it's a problem, I think, with other sanghas and other spiritual communities that I know about, which is all the way along, we're kind of feeding off somebody else. And that's where the importance of commitment comes in. At a certain point, and it needs to be, it doesn't have to be at the beginning, but it needs to be fairly early, as I've been talking about recently, we have to realize that we can't hang around the teacher and depend on the teacher and depend on the the download of the teachings and, and the insights that we get through the teacher into the practices and into the fruition um, indefinitely. We can't we can't make the journey that way. We may be nourished by it, we may be inspired by it, we may be fed by it, but we're not going to fundamentally change that way. So that's why this whole issue of commitment, you know, seems so critical for all of us, that fairly early on, we need to take it on as a life commitment. It's the, you know, Jung talked a lot about the poor Eternus, which means the eternal child. And what he said was, and it really is the problem of modern times, it's a problem that we all face. He said that there's a tendency when people are growing up that so many possibilities are presented and so many potential riches are offered that often we, we become enamored of the full range of possibilities and we're not willing to make choices and make commitments because we don't want to give up all the other things that we might be able to get if we don't make a commitment. What happens, of course, is that there's no journey. And this was his point, that people remain children. It's a Peter Pan syndrome. You know, whenever we make a commitment to one lineage and one, one teaching and one set of practices and one, you know, fundamental way of life, it also involves letting go of all the other possibilities in order to make the commitment. And that's something that often we're not willing to do. I've been thinking about this a lot lately and how often when people come and begin to study with Dharma Ocean and within this lineage, people say, but I still want to be able to study with other teachers and are you telling me I can't study with other teachers? I need to be able to go and do what I want to. And from a certain point of view, of course, absolutely, you know, people do need to to receive wisdom wherever they can find it. And, and you know, it's been my journey and um, I think it's part of the modern world that, of course, we're going to be nourished by 
all kinds of different people and situations and a sort of rigid doctrinaire sort of monotheistic approach, so to speak, to our spirituality is no longer appropriate. But what I'm starting to see is often the real question is, do I have to commit myself to anything or can I just come and get whatever I want to here and then go someplace else? And my response to that, you know, I think the only honest response is, well, of course, you know, people can do whatever they want to, but as in any relationship, unless you're willing to commit yourself to it in an unconditional way, which means that it's not, as I've been saying, it's not simply your commitment is not based on how you feel this hour or this day or this week, but it's something that transcends the ups and downs of our emotional um, swings, you know, and our moodiness and our experience of pain and pleasure. Unless the commitment transcends that, it doesn't mean anything, and we're not going to change. So... We're in that situation in our culture altogether, the idea of unlimited choice and of always leaving all the options open. And we do it, unfortunately, it's not just with spirituality, but we do it with our, our intimate relationships, we do it with our jobs, we do it with where we live, we do it with our friends, and often we even do it with our own children. Leave the options open, and the minute you start losing the full range of options, somehow you're giving up something critical. So I'm thinking back to Trungpa Rinpoche's comment, which I've mentioned many times over the years, but I don't think in some sense that I really thought about it that much. He, you know, One of his things, which you've heard me say, is once you have the pointing out, once you have the initial experiences of your spiritual direction, once you have the inspiration rise in you about who you are and what you need to do with your life, at that point, somewhere early on, you need to commit yourself to that journey. And, you know, coming back to the ship analogy, you sail out of the harbor and you look at the stars and you see where east is, which is your destination, and then you set sail. And the that's the commitment, that your compass is always pointing east, and you're always going in that direction, and you're committed to this ship and this group of people with you. And at that point, the situation is non-negotiable for you. You're not basing your willingness to work with these people or make this journey on the surrounding weather. And then you go ahead, and yeah, I mean, there are a lot of experiences that we go through. We feel, uh, some days we feel incredibly inspired and grateful for everything, for the journey, for our lives, for the teachings. There are other days when the whole thing is so difficult and claustrophobic that we just want to run anywhere. We want to hide, and we fantasize about not being a spiritual person at all, you know, just living an ordinary life and trying to be happy. And everything in between but the main point is that whatever we go through and whatever we're thinking on that day, it doesn't dissuade us from our direction and it doesn't dissuade us from our commitment to our own practice and our own spiritual life. Maybe none of us really, including me, maybe none of us have really understood what it means to commit oneself. And I think the, the fact that we don't understand spiritual commitment, I think it it probably is reflective of a general attitude 
that we have in the modern world towards commitment in general, that we commit ourselves, but it's always contingent, and it's always dependent, and we feel, you know, I'm committing myself, but I am leaving all my options open at the same time. It's been, um, to a very large extent, through the work that Caroline and I have been doing in terms of understanding the consort relationship and the journey, the spiritual journey that unfolds out of that very powerful crucible of transformation, that um, I'm starting to see that uh, it can't work that way. And that what we're ultimately seeking, the very deep spiritual inspiration that we have at the beginning of the journey, 100% real, totally valid, and our own, but our problem is we don't trust it enough. And for all of us, whether we're talking about our meditation practice and our own individual journey, whether we're talking about um, intimate relationships, of which the consort relationship is sort of the the sort of uh, hottest, you know, or the center of that world, or any other, anything else in life, that if it's not unconditional, there's something that doesn't happen. And with the spiritual journey, the thing that doesn't happen is that we actually don't make the journey, and we're not able to experience the fruition that we see so clearly at the beginning is what we ultimately want from our own life. The longing and the desire to toward wholeness and toward fulfillment that we feel right at the beginning is valid and it is us and it is why we're here. But unless we're willing to commit ourselves unconditionally there's no way that we're going to achieve it. But with that unconditional commitment, then we will achieve it. Reality asks very little from us in order to give us, grant us, bestow on us, inundate us with its blessings and its joy. But it does ask one thing, which is that we commit ourselves to it and to the lineage and the tradition and the practices that are the paving stones of the road, that are the path. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.